0: Greetings, one and all, wherever you are in the universe, and welcome to the latest episode of An Espresso Shot of Confidence, the podcast that explores all aspects of confidence, challenges taboos and unhelpful narratives, and empowers you to be awesome loudly and proudly. It's time for you to grab a drink and settle in for the next however long this episode is. I'm your host, the master of awesomeness, Ashley Griffiths, and today we'll be talking all things creativity, music, and starting a business around your passions. Now, music is something that always gets conversations going. Desert Island Discs, the latest song by your favorite artist, a top 10 list are all great conversation starters. Yet for many people, listening to music and going to gigs are the only ways that they interact with music. Many people feel that they can't sing or learn to play an instrument, and in doing so, they don't get to experience the many benefits that comes from being creative and musical. So who better to talk to about this today than Mark Deeks, aka That Piano Guy, an online piano teacher, recording artist, and choir leader? He can be regularly found on LinkedIn, creating musical videos and providing tips on how to start enjoying the benefits of learning an instrument. He also guides his clients on how to start learning the piano in just 15 minutes a day. So, hey, Mark, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Ashley. How are you? Very well. Very well. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to diving into this. So could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Oh, where do we start? Yeah, like, like many musicians, we do tend to do lots of different things. You know, there's when when you're young, you think you're going to be famous and then a famous rock band, and that's where all the money and fame will come from. And you won't need to worry about anything else. And then someone comes along and says, yeah, but to be a working musician, which is a term that not necessarily anyone outside the music industry is familiar with, to be a working musician, you tend to have to turn your hand to a number of different things to, to um, I guess, make income streams come from different places. or. So. Or at least give yourself the chance of making money from different um, different uh, avenues. So yeah, pian- I've been teaching piano since I was fifteen. Um, I'm now forty five, so that's a long a long stretch. Um, I was playing piano when I was five. Um, so yeah, I, I I spent a lot an awful lot of time in my life doing that. But then when I was in my early twenties, I started coaching choirs. Sort of fell into that. That's a bit of a tale. Um, so I run community choirs for twenty five years. Um, And alongside all of that, uh, like many musicians do, you try and make your own music or write your own music or, you know, you try and have some kind of creative outlet. Um, So uh, most of my time in my life has been spent making music to other people's specifications, being arranging for choirs or orchestras or writing audio, creating audio branding music for businesses. But every now and then I get to make music for myself as well. So it's, it's a bit of an
0: obsession for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Music is a is a wonderful thing. Um I've always been obsessed with it. I know you've got quite the impressive record collection as well. I think that's how we first got talking. You posted a video of your vinyl collection. I was like, oh my life. It's an addiction. <laughs> my wife calls it. Or I call it my daughter's inheritance. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So I mean, anyone who's ever seen you online, I mean you 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 always posted videos um In your in your home studio, you've got your vinyl boxes. Kind of, there's one behind you, and I know there's loads (laughs) along the wall (laughs) over to probably your uh, right. (laughs) Um, So there is no kind of ambiguity, like when it comes to who you are and what you're about. So when did you decide that you were like, right, I'm going to turn this music, this passion, this obsession into into some sort of career?
1: I don't remember ever making a conscious decision. Uh, I just don't know how to do anything else. And that sounds like a sort of cop-out answer, but I just, I mean, I, I, for those of you who, who don't know about instrumental exams, I, I, the grade eight is sort of taken as the highest standard exam you can get. And I got that when I was 12. So there was already a, a, a path set out that this was the thing I was, I was good at as a kid. And so when it came to sort of those sort of crucial sort of 16 to 18-year-old kind of decisions of what subjects you're going to study in greater depth, it was always going to be music because I was rank average at a lot of other stuff and fairly terrible at other stuff. So music was always going to play a part. And you go, one of the common things that happens, I guess, with any creative subject is that, you know... Parents get these sort of concerned touches of the elbow from friends and relatives. Should they not do a proper job? (laughs) Are are, are you really going to let him? My mom literally had someone say, "Are you going to really let him study music? You know, should should he not have a you know a proper subject kind of thing?" Wow, creative subjects of history quite often had this problem of not being seen as real jobs. Yeah, Um, to which you always say, "Well, who makes all of the music?" People who half music as a job. I mean, it's just crazy, but I don't remember there being any any um, hesitation. Like, music was what I know how to do. I seem to be pretty good at it. Let's see how good you can get at it, and then just assumed that would probably lead to some form of career. But I mean, it was. A, I guess it's a risk because you know a lot of people try to make a living out of music, and not everyone succeeds. And that's yeah. and that's not to say you make fortunes. You know, to, to pay the bills. To make a living. Sure. Like we all want to do. So I don't remember there was a conscious decision. There just didn't really seem to be anything else that I certainly wasn't going to make a career out of like science stuff or anything. So was rubbish oh, <laughs> it. I get lost very easily. So there was no threat of that. I'm very squeamish. I couldn't do anything medical. <laughs> yep, same. <laughs> so, so music was it, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hear you with that. I come from a, a medical family. Um, I think I'm the only person in our family that hasn't worked in the NHS at some point. And I was like, nah, 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 okay. nah, 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 I can't even, I can't even look at blood. No.
1: I mean, <laughs> to, be, to be honest with, with music, the, the, the of backup career is teaching of some sort. Sure. So the, the, the traditional sort of career path is most people will try and make a living out of being, you know, quote unquote famous. Mm-hmm. And when they can't do that, they become a teacher. And whether that's teaching an instrument one to one or whether it's working as a music teacher in a school, you know, teaching will usually form some part of most music teachers' sure. um, career path. Whilst I'd been teaching piano since I was fifteen, and that all always saw was part of what I did. Um, I didn't I, I didn't at least at first I didn't really feel like teaching was good as in a classroom teacher, I didn't really feel like that was the right thing to do. I felt like a bit too boxed in. I ended up doing that
0: subsequently, but um, it was always going to be music. Awesome, awesome, and I think that that kind of conviction is is a powerful thing. And I I just want to reflect on that because I I still get this to this day Um, in a lot of the creative industries and, and a lot of the arts. At school, there's like, well, that's not a proper job. I mean, this narrative is still the case now. Oh
1: yeah, for sure.
0: Um. It just baffles me that we're still even having these conversations because, like you said, well, who's going to create the music then? I'm who's going to create it, the then? artwork?
1: Yeah, who's going to create the artwork? Who's going to distribute? it? Who's going to release it? Who's going to promote it? Who's going to market it? If music is none, this insignificant lesser career industry, then what are all of these people doing?
0: And well, the answer is they're contributing
1: an awful lot to most economies.
0: Sure. I guess I think probably this might be a hangover. I don't know from like the maybe the fifties and sixties when when kind of rock and roll kind of kicked in and it was like people were like, no, we're not going to go work down the pits or we're not going to go and get that office job. We're going to go and like become rock stars and yeah, yeah. and that the cultures that came
1: with that. Yeah, it was it was dangerous. You know, <laughs> there was an appeal to it. And, you know, kids suddenly, you know, there were there were the stories of TV a cameraman being told they couldn't film Elvis below the waistline because mm-hmm. it's dangerous and what might happen to the to the young people um so yeah that how did that turn out <laughs> can you imagine now pop stars not being able to film before they're below their belly
0: button <laughs> i think you're more likely to be told filming to film with their clothes on than yes. without like any skin now yeah oh. absolutely so i think the just coming back to the whole creativity side of things and I know that this is something that you're you're passionate about and and I hear this, and I've heard this so many times over the years, people saying that they can't do things that they are not creative that you know certainly in the music, I always hear people say, "I can't sing well, that's technically impossible if you've got a vo- if you've got vocal chords, you can sing <laughs> you, you can do it same with dancing if You can move your hips and your feet and your body. There you go. I'm dancing now and I'm not. (laughs) It is possible. But and then you hear people saying, oh, I'm too old. I'm too young. Insert any adjective that you can think of there. And I bet you hear a lot of this stuff a lot with your work. So what what do you say to people when when you hear them say, I can't? Uh, Yeah, I've heard this a million times. Um,
1: There is a clear distinction that people don't draw that when you point it out to them, they go, oh, I hadn't thought of it like that. So the, the thing is, when someone says, I can't do this, so I, I will openly say, I can't draw. I can't, I'm a rubbish drawer. But there in itself is the hub of the problem. Mm-hmm. We've assumed that quality is part of, the, of whether you can do it or not. So it's not accurate to say, I can't draw. It is accurate to say, I can't draw well. Yeah. Now, anyone can hit a note on the piano because it's a physical thing. Just hit it. <laughs> now, that wasn't very musical, and you might not like to listen to it. But you can play the piano. You can hit it. Anyone can do that. Sure. So when people say these things, I can't do this, I can't do that, they are, without consciously necessarily thinking about it, they are subconsciously making quality part of the judgment. So what they mean is, I can't play piano as well as that favourite artist that I have. Yeah. I can't play piano as well as that guy I saw play piano in the hotel. I can't play piano well enough to teach someone else to do it. And they assume that because those things are true, therefore they can't play piano, therefore there's no point. But the quality that you can do these things is actually a secondary question. Yeah. The first question is, what happens as a result if you even do it at a rudimentary level? Sure. So if you sit and try and play an instrument or learn a language or draw, whatever it is, for 15 minutes a day, the act of doing that has a ripple effect and has benefit on confidence, on reducing stress levels, on improving mental health, on improving your relationships with other people or whatever it might be. And that is an entirely separate conversation to are you any good at it? Sure. Are you any good at it? Can wait. The act starts, the act produces the ripple effect that starts on day one. So I have clients who've said they've slept better as a result of playing piano for 15 minutes before they go to sleep. Oh, wow. They weren't great piano players, but that's not the point. And when we say we can't do things, it's because we have mapped out the distance between our complete beginner status and a professional status. Yeah. And making this either kind of this perfection or nothing question. And perfection or nothing is a route to misery when you're (laughs) talking about your hobbies. That's not the point. I go running. Am I going to win an Olympic medal? No. But running gives me physical and mental well-being. So I run. I'm not very fast. I sometimes feel pretty ill at the end of it, but it has benefit. And if my my, my wife and I go running together, we have relationship benefit because we get to spend time together. Sure. So the ripple effect of having a creative or musical hobby or any of these other things is not, are you good at it? It's, are you doing it? Yeah. And doing it has the benefit. The How good you get at it is a secondary question.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. You, know, you just said that comparison, you know, that You know, t- learning an instrument, learning a language, developing any sort of form of competence takes time. Yeah. But I think, you know, when you come in at it from an angle of like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not Elton John. I mean, of course you're not. I mean, I've been playing for 50, 50, 60, 60 odd years, you know, and you've never touched the piano before. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> sure? You no know, it doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: When you are, see, I've been playing piano all my life. So when I'm playing piano, I can think of other things. Mm-hmm. I, think, I can watch football. I can have a conversation. I can think about what I'm going to have for tea when I'm playing piano. When a yep. beginner plays piano, they are, does this finger go there? Is this yeah. the note I'm supposed to press? How long do I have to press? Oh, is it supposed to be that finger? Yeah. But the brain is immersed in the act because it has to be because they don't know what they're doing. Sure. And as a result, your brain is unable to worry about the other things you're worrying about. Even for just those five minutes, you have forgotten about that difficult client in your business, that stressful relationship in your family, that illness that's going on. You've forgotten about it for five minutes, for 10 minutes, for 15 minutes. And then after the 15 minutes is over, you go, oh. Now, are you a great piano player at that point? No. But you haven't stressed for 15 minutes. You're too busy doing the act. And that is where the benefit is.
0: Yeah, I think that getting into that almost a flow state when you're just so focused in, in the action of what you're doing is so, so powerful. I haven't mastered in any way, shape or form an instrument yet, but over the years, I've had a go at guitar and ukulele and just playing it, you know, it wasn't so great for the people around me, just the noise I was making. But for me, I loved it. And then just every time that I learned a new chord, Mm-hmm. Or for me, I remember the day i I started chunking on on the uh, on the Uke and I was like oh that's got some that's got some vibes there <laughs> and I was like, that's brilliant that was brilliant and so I totally resonate with what you're what you're saying there and let's just address that like there's again you've got everybody's saying and you've probably heard many people say that you know I'm too young, I'm too old to learn an instrument yeah, for sure. I mean, so what, what are you saying to them? Like those, those people that are saying, well, I can't. I'll never be able to play an instrument. Well, I've got
1: clients in their 80s.
0: So let's just knock that on the head for
1: a start. <laughs> when people say that, they mean they're too old to have a career in it. They mm-hmm. don't realize they're saying that, but that's what they mean. Or they're too old to get as good as someone who would have a career in it. Sure. But they're not too old to play the piano because you can hit it. Anyone can hit it. That's how kids walk up to them in hotels and hit them and make a noise and annoy everyone because you don't need to know what you're doing to play the piano. You might need to know what to do to make it sound nice, but that's a step-by-step process. The notion that you are too old to play piano is, I think, intrinsically let tracked back to conversations that people have with their parents when they're young about what do you want to do with um, for, for a living? You know, What do you want to be when you grow up? I think it's track back to that conversation. People say, I had a lady once say to me, she was probably in her late 50s, maybe coming up to 60, and said, I didn't think piano was available to me because I didn't play it as a child. (laughs) Yeah. So she, in her 20s, say, had already ruled out the possibility that she would ever play an instrument because she didn't get the opportunity to play as a child. She not afford lessons or whatever it might have been. So in her 20s and in her 30s and in her 40s and in her 50s, for 40 years, that fact had repeated itself as an internal conversation that I'll never play piano because I didn't start when I was six. Yeah. What a waste. And that is what gets me really fired up, that there are millions of people across the world who have spent decades, lifetimes, wishing they could play an instrument, not needing to be good at it, to bring the joy that it would bring, Mm -hmm. but not doing it because they thought they needed to be good at it. Yeah. Yeah. In order to have a career or in order to, you know, be able to entertain their friends or whatever. It's an act of self-joy playing an instrument
0: that is entirely, completely separate to whether you're any good at it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You're totally right. When you're saying about the narrative that echoes from from the past, you know, maybe you were told when you were young, maybe, maybe you even tried when you were young. Yeah. And somebody I, said, well, I, you're no good at it. You I, didn't pass I, a I, piano I, exam or uh, something uh, like that. Yeah. And I, then I, that...
1: Yeah, that can that can be really dangerous because people have experiences with bad piano teachers when they're kids. You know, we hear all these stories of like lids being slammed down on people's knuckles or rulers wrapping their knuckles, and and it's or even in less less violent ways, it, things like music teachers will often replicate how they were taught. Yeah, understandable reasons. So if if someone goes to a piano teacher who teaches them to play Beethoven in a very, a very classical kind of mindset, and that's how they learn how to play that when they get to teach someone else to play the piano, they do it in the same way. Or this is yeah. what I did when I was a kid, you need to learn your skills and all this kind of stuff. I don't remember the last time I saw, taught someone a scale. Because if you want to learn how to play music by playing Bruno Mars, then play some Bruno Mars. If that's what mm. puts smiles on you, it puts a smile on your face. If you want to play, play Megadeth, right, Ash? If you want yeah. to play Megadeth, then play Megadeth. Right? It's what puts a smile on your face. You're not learning the skill to become a professional, which it might be a different conversation. Let's learn, let's get people to access the music that they enjoy in whatever way we can get them to do it. And I've made videos on this before. What if your teacher wasn't the right fit? What yeah. if the thing that actually stopped you having the last 50 years of playing an instrument as a hobby is because the teacher who taught you was a classical teacher and you just love jazz. What if that was the only missing piece in the jigsaw and you just ruled it out because you assumed that all piano teachers
0: teach like that? Yeah. That's a dangerous path. And it it is. It is. And one that that many of us go down in various areas of our lives, of course, um, our experiences as children. You know that, and certainly in the work that I do, I see it all the time. People saying, "Well, I can't do this. I can't do that." And ninety percent of the time, you can track it back to something that happened in their formative years. Yeah, maybe they did a speech at school. Yeah, and somebody like and the it. kids laughed at them. Yeah, or the teacher or or a parent said, "Oh, you'll never be able to do that." Yep. So they believed it to be the case. Yeah. Instead of going, you know, well, no, bollocks to that. I can do this.
1: Absolutely. Let me share, I'll share this quick story with you. So I, I wrote a book called Um Not Another Piano Book. And the sub subtitle was How Everything That Stops You Being a Piano Legend So Far Shouldn't. And in that, I tell a story about how when I was a kid, I wanted a dog. I love dogs. Yeah. parents were like, take a lot of looking after. You know, a lot of commitment, a lot of responsibility. And so, all right, okay, it's a lot of responsibility. And so when I got a little bit older, I sort of downgraded my desire, and I wanted a fish. Okay. Because in the garden center near us, there were tropical fish. And I liked the look of tropical fish as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't watch the pretty fish swimming about in these Yeah, towns.
0: absolutely.
1: But they're very therapeutic. I liked them. And so I really wanted tropical fish. And my parents, and by the way, I've got great parents. They're not bad people, but they were saying things like, oh, you know, I take a lot of responsibility. Do you fancy cleaning them out every often? And so this narrative had just become, oh, well, perhaps I couldn't do that. Yeah. I was 28 years old in that garden center looking at the fish. Okay. I thought, oh, I'd love a fish. And the person who was next to me went, get a fish. I was like, oh, I can't do that. They take a lot of looking after the responsibility. And I yeah. heard myself saying it. And I went, so that, I am buying a goldfish right now.
0: <laughs> and I
1: bought a goldfish. Boom. I, bought, I bottled the tropical fish.
0: <laughs> no, I just thought I'd stick with a goldfish.
1: A goldfish. Baby and I was, steps. I was so amazingly choked with myself. And I was like, this is ludicrous. I'm 28 years old. I think I can probably deal with the responsibility of a goldfish by this point. But we do. These stories we tell ourselves as, as kids or were said to us as kids are powerful. They become the narratives for our life.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in clients' lives. I see it lives every single day. You know, just these narratives. I'm like, is that you speaking now? Or was that, was that you know, yeah, exactly. somebody from the past talking? Exactly. So I think you definitely see that with with music. And as you've already illustrated, there's so many benefits, though, that you deny yourself by not giving yourself the opportunity to explore what is possible so i know for example my mum. um she recently well not recently but let's just say recently i'm not going to go for the years joined the choir yeah and this is somebody who was told she couldn't sing yeah and now just the joy she she gets from that and the opportunities as well that have arisen i mean she's sung with some pretty famous recording artists now Mm -hmm. and she's appeared on britain's got talent as well so not bad for someone who can't sing right exactly oh well
1: i've run community choirs as i said since i was in my 20s early 20s and yeah i've i've led choirs with 300 singers in and i genuinely think that community choirs in this country perform a social service oh for sure the number the hundreds and hundreds of people who've said to me over the years you know, it's really brought me out of my shell or I didn't know anyone. and I I would just stay in the house on the night time. And now I've got this whole new circle of friends. That's really improved my confidence. I never thought I'd get a chance to sing on stage. And They might be on stage with 300 other people, but it doesn't matter. Because what it means to them is they're singing on that theatre stage. Like, I went on tour to New York and we played Carnegie Hall. Oh, wow. People who thought, well, there would have been people in that group who thought they well, were told they, would ne- they could never sing. We're now singing in Carnegie Hall. And for those of you who don't know what Carnegie Hall is, that is literally the, almost like the punchline of the classical music, musicians' jokes. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Because it's, it's perceived, it's like the Royal Albert Hall in England, right? It's, it's the top venue in the world. And so community choirs are perfect for this, which is why I run one, the, well, two, that um, they perform so many social and mental and well-being-based roles in society. That they're, they're priceless. I, I genuinely think choirs save our medical services a fortune.
0: Wow, I can imagine that. Just some of the stories, like my mum's been telling me about that, like some of the people that she's met, um, and how it's become an outlet. Oh, back sure. back to back to community, especially after the pandemic. Oh yeah, especially after the pandemic. that during
1: uh, the pandemic, Ash. Yeah, we kept our choirs going online. Oh, wow. During the pandemic. And let me tell you, if you'd have asked me what would happen in that context before it happened, I'd have said, that's going to be really poor. And musically, it had huge limitations. But socially, unbelievably powerful. Like I, could, like I couldn't believe how powerful it was because we'd taken away the music. They couldn't hear each other sing but the fact that they could see each other singing on screen at the same time, that communal shared us against the world face of adversity (laughs) kind of stuff. People in tears.
0: Oh, I bet. They were singing. I bet. I bet. I've, I've both from, from an expression point of view and from being immersed in it. I've experienced that over the years. The just being totally overcome with emotion, that release, um, either i 'm listening to an artist I love and it, it just hits me and I start crying really? or i 'm singing myself or dancing mm-hmm. i mean i 've literally been raving with tears in my eyes in the past that yeah. just that that release yep. so, so you've you've talked a lot um today about some of those benefits, and I know one of your big 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 missions in life is to help one million people discover the joys of playing an instrument yeah and you've illustrated the uh, some of the benefits of that so you've mentioned things like mental health and stress mm-hmm. so again how can being involved in music in some way shape or form help with those things
1: so i'm no medical doctor i'm just a music doctor but the um the anecdotal stories i hear are so powerful and You know, like I was talking before about the element of distraction, the positive distraction that someone is not worrying about something that is worrying them, either consciously or unconsciously, whilst they're trying to play an instrument. So I I often tell this story with the lady's permission, although I don't use her name. That a client of mine had an eating disorder for a long time that stopped when she started playing piano. Oh
0: wow!
1: And she's not a great piano player.
0: Okay. She
1: started to use the musical hobby the positive distraction that meant when she had an urge to do something eating-related, she went and played piano. Wow. And it stopped. Wow. And she will literally say it saved her life. Now, I still to this day, several years after she said that to me, can't really process the impact of that. And I don't feel like I take credit for it. I don't want to take credit for it. Sure. I just facilitated it. But I don't think that it matters how good a piano teacher I am or, or I'm not. And it certainly didn't matter how great a piano player she is or she is not. But the act had that impact.
0: Sure.
1: Because the psychological, as I say, with no medical background, connection was, was made for her between an an act or a habit that she didn't want to do yeah, and a habit that she could replace it yeah, and so now when she feels depressed or urge, an urge that she doesn't want,
0: she plays piano. Absolutely, nice it's huge. It's huge. The literature on that, in in terms of the habit formation, that yeah. then the associations, the positive, negative that go with that, is strong. And and and, and this is another example of that, yeah. where where somebody went, well, this is what I do in this situation. Instead of that, I'm going to do this. Yeah, exactly. And the ripple effects from that is massive, massive, Phew. massive. What does that awesome. do
1: for her and her family and her kids? And like, sure. The impact that the, her previous bad habit was having on her life that now goes away or is lessened.
0: Yeah, massive. So- Absolutely. That's such an awesome story. Such an awesome story. And I think the, and again, we, we've already touched upon like how being part of a choir during lockdown and, and, in normal in any normal times is are we in normal times in any times we um <laughs> well, I have no idea what times we're in, but you you said just that bringing people together yeah is great for mental health. You also mentioned it can really help people with their self confidence and um, what did you yeah. mean by that
1: just because that people are there's the safety in numbers right so if you ask someone to stand on stage and sing a song as a soloist then, you know, a lot of people would have great difficulty with that. Yeah. If you ask people to stand in the middle of a crowd of 200 people and sing, now that feels a, a bit safer. Sure. I mean, just ask any average sporting fan whether they feel comfortable hurling abuse at a, a player <laughs> on the opponent's team stood on their own or whether they'll happily do it as part of 10,000 people <laughs> hurling
0: abuse. <laughs>
1: and the safety in numbers, right? Yeah. When, you, when you're singing. So... um the, a choir, whether it's got 10 people in or 100, it's the fact that you're not on your own and it's not yeah. just your individual voice because people feel very naked about their voice.
0: It's, yeah.
1: You know, how many times you hear people say, I don't like my voice on an answer phone or whatever. Oh, for sure. Well, it's, it's the same on, you know, on camera, on, Absolutely. On, on stage as a performer. People don't like their voices. So there has to uh, be a way to try and help people through that. And the yep. way to do it is stick loads of people doing the same thing together and off you go. I call it choir osmosis. <laughs> so if, if you asked any member of my Sing United choir to sing a solo, I'd go as far as to say 90% of them at least would feel uncomfortable in that yep. and might not sound all that great on their own.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But stick 20 people around them who are singing the same thing as them. Now they're great singers. Yeah, I have played piano for auditions with members of choirs who have sung in choirs for years, but asked them to sing on their own, and, and they're not great singers, but they yeah, sound great yeah. in a choir. So it, the confidence that comes from that is huge because now sure. they go, oh, "Wow, look at that! Was that us? Did we? Did we? Was that us? Did, did we make that sound?" Yep, and they feel part of it, and it's, that's really powerful.
0: Yeah, I hear you with that. I hear you with that. I remember the first time that safety in numbers that I actually realized I could sing. And I was like, wow. I, I was listening. I was like, one of one of us has got got a pretty decent voice. And I was like, I didn't even know because I had not even heard myself sing. So I stopped singing and I was like, oh my life, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was quite the quite the realization. Like, but I'm I'm totally with you that we I used to be in, in various kind of collectives. Um, Nothing formal. It was just we'd kind of meet wherever we were and the guitars, and musical instruments would come out and we'd start riffing. And just that being around other people as well, because there would be those like myself that are quite happy to, to take front of stage. And 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 go and do the leads, and there'd be others that were quite happy to sit in the background. But the fact that we were interchanging, it was very powerful, and you could see that how it lifted everybody up.
1: Absolutely, musical interaction is really powerful. Like right? whether you're, whether you're any good at it or not, All, yeah. And,
0: like I said before, secondary. Huge, huge, awesome, awesome, awesome. So in terms of the skills that you can learn through music, and you've already touched upon this. I mean. Are there any of those skills that are just transferable to everyday life and even business? Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: And I think confidence is a huge part of it. You know, when people can do something that they previously couldn't do, even to a, a rudimentary level, what can the ripple effect of that be? You know, apply to anything. Like, what happens when you lose a few pounds because you've started doing a bit more exercise or whatever? Mm-hmm. What, what happens to your confidence as a result of that? You feel a bit better when you walk in a room. And you know daft things like when people are at a party and there's a piano in the corner of the room, knowing you're the person who can knock out a tune on that, yeah, it's kind of fun. I hear you. And whenever me and my wife are on holiday, I know that it's going to come out that I'm a piano player at some point. (laughs) I won't be the person that reveals it, but my wife, after she's had a couple of gins, will. (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh yeah my husband plays piano I'll do. i'll go and play a tune and then that's it it's downhill from there so having having that in your pocket just i mean obviously i know what i'm doing but even if you can only play like two tunes or one for 30 seconds people don't want to recital from you in that in that situation sure they they just want to go oh you play a tune and you play the riff to imagine everyone cheers and you have another drink i mean it, it doesn't need to be a full concert. Oh, for sure. So, no, there's confidence attached to that. And it, it's fun, you know, there's community and there's interaction and there's people skills and just, the, as you said at the start, you know, the conversations that music can be part of. and Music is memories, right? Music it reminds us of people. right? The songs that you remember from when you were a kid, the songs that, your, your granddad used to sing you the songs, the gigs that you went to when with your mates at university or at school or the record, first record you bought. Yeah. Your, your wedding dance or the songs that you and your partner sang in the car on the way on holiday, the karaoke thing that you did. like It's the music things that people remember in life. I used to play a lot of weddings and events. And when I'm talking to people at weddings, wedding fairs and so on, I'd say to them, there are two elements of this wedding that people are going to remember. The music and the food. If you yeah. get those two right... <laughs> people will have a good time. Yeah. Nobody is going to worry about what the colour of the ribbon was on the back of the chair. Nobody is going to worry about the, 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 what brand of confetti you had. But they are going to remember whether the, whether the band was good on the night time. They are going to remember if they did the, like they like, the meal. And that is what people will talk about in years to come. Get those yeah, two hey. things right. You're on a winner. So music infiltrates on our life in so many ways, and it becomes attached to memories. And when we allow it to it will make us feel uplifted because we remember those memories and then we share them. And then when we share them, we're just
0: a bit more human. I love that. I love that so much, and it's so true. Just as you were talking, the synapses in my brain were starting to fire Yeah, I remember this song. I remember that song. This song there, that gig, you know, first, first ever gig, Radiohead. Fabulous.
1: Good start. Good start. It wasn't good.
0: Okay, okay, computer tour as well.
1: Yeah, I saw them on that too. It wasn't my first gig, but I, I saw them on that too, at Manchester Arena.
0: Yeah, it was. It, it, it stayed with me.
1: Do you know what I remember most about that gig? Just before the guitar solo in "Just," Ed, or what it was called, the guitarist
0: pointed at me. Oh go, wow!
1: Come on. <laughs> That's what I remember about that at the gig.
0: Oh wow! Oh fabulous! I'm not
1: daft, ridiculous. He probably he's probably pointing at someone ten rows behind me. I don't care. Point.
0: It. <laughs> I remember. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, so many million stories. Right, as soon as you start thinking about it, music so many is good memories. memories. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So yeah. many, so many awesome memories. Fabulous. So it'd be remiss to not ask you this question then, as we've been talking about music. Top three albums of all time. He <laughs> did it. it. I saw. I this did it. Utterly
1: <laughs> totally ridiculous questions. It's absolutely impossible. I can throw some favourites in there, but I couldn't even put them <laughs> in order. So the album that I always said was my favourite album of, of all time for many years was Dirt by Alice in Chains. Okay. And that probably is still well, it's easily top ten, but who knows. Um, it was a hugely formative album for me, as was uh, Angel Dust by Faith No the Moor. Mm-hmm. Um Psalm 69 by Ministry was a huge favorite. Metallica's Master Puppets, uh, Judas Priest, Painkiller, um, later years, Oceanic by Isis, uh, the band, not the terrorists. Um, I don't think they had a side career. Um, <laughs> Cult of Luna's The Beyond. I, I could, I could list a million. Anthrax, Sound of White Noise, Megadeth, Countdown to Extinction, or Rust in Peace. Yeah. I could do. I literally do this all day. Soundgarden, Super Unknown, Stone Temple Pilots, Purple. Oh wow,
0: that's a great album.
1: ever Volga Display of Power, Machinehead, Burn My Eyes. I mean, I could, I could do this all day. Wow, I'm not break sweat. Do
0: you Be know what? Brick. That's an album I have not listened to for a very, very, very long time. That was my first real dive into kind of like the harder, harder metal. Well, Machinehead, um, Burn My Eyes. Yeah. yeah. Like I had a group of lads at school that were in really into rock, and they were like, they would just bring in these albums, and I was like, that. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to that. And I was like, oh my life! Literally felt like I've been pulverised, but it was brilliant. they just because it's very melodic.
1: Yeah, it's got it's got everything. I saw them on the next tour. The more things changed too. I got well, that's a great four,
0: album as well.
1: Me with Machinehead when I was about however old I was at that point, nineteen or so. Yeah, good times
0: absolutely absolutely so if anybody's looking to get support with their piano or instrument playing how can they get in touch with you sir uh
1: well so i'm mark Deeks music on mo- on most social platforms um or uh usually the hashtag that piano guy will find me i'm particularly active on linkedin uh, as we have uh where we uh, first came across each other um so linkedin is a place i spend a lot of time just because not many piano players do so i try and do that <laughs> Um, but yeah Mark Deeks Music on Facebook I've got a a community called uh, Play Piano Better which means um, I want to help you play piano better, even if you've never played piano before, so it might be playing your first note or it might be that you've played for 50 years and feel a bit stuck and you fancy some inspiration and you can try that for a quid for 30 days Mark Deeks Music is where I tend to be found in most places my website is
0: thatpianoguy.club Perfect, perfect. And all the links to uh, get in touch with Mark will be in the description for this episode. So before we set off into the sunset, there is one final question to ask you. And that is, what is your espresso shot of confidence for our listeners?
1: Try and do something that you can't do now, even if it's one tiny thing. And then try and do another tiny thing that you couldn't do the day before and keep going. And if it's a musical thing record it on the voice notes of your phone and keep recording it on the voice notes of your phone and keep documenting it, keep documenting it because we don't notice the improvements we make when we're too close to it. Record, 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 even if no one else ever hears it. When you have a cup of coffee in two weeks' time or in six months' time or in three years' time, flick back through those recordings and you'll hear your improvement happening. And if you don't, it'll be lost to time record 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 and keep doing this,
0: trying to do something that you couldn't do before love that love that i was just smiling like the cheshire cat as you were talking about that it's just boom go for it turn those can'ts into cans mm-hmm. absolutely so thank you so much for your for your time it's been awesome to have you mate
1: You're very welcome thank you very much for
0: having me pleasure absolute pleasure and thank you to our awesome listeners wherever you are in the universe be sure to subscribe whether you're listening or watching this episode to get notifications of when the next episode drops and in the meantime wherever you are in the universe stay awesome